0: Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. Thank you for joining us. My name is Nate Huss and I am stoked you are tuning in to our teaching of the week. If you are new, so glad you found us. If you haven't already and would like to learn a little bit more about us, jump over to restorationaz.org. All right, let's grab our Bibles and dive into this week's teaching. What
1: if, what if after that introduction, I was like super sleepy up here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think I'm on. I, I hope so. Did I? Is it? I, yeah? We good? Okay, good. All right, well, listen, I'm hoping that I get to be so a part of this church that I don't have to have an introduction. I've been here one other time. So if you know me, if I've been here once, the second time, I'm family. So that's just what it is. Are you cool with that? Yeah some of you are not cool with that i can already tell i'm gonna ask one more time are you cool with that okay all right good 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 um i'll tell landon that and uh we'll let him know that i'm just now family this family needs a crazy loud uncle i'll just be that okay every family has it and you're like well we kind of have to accept him he's part of the family Another thing, you know, the now Jenkins, I used to pastor them, and then I didn't know this, but I used to be this kid right here, his children's pastor when he was in second grade. Now, I didn't know that, because he doesn't look like he did when he was in second grade, Uh, but uh, we figured it out, so that's cool. We got too many things that cross us over, and and just another thing, I really love this church. Uh, I'm proud of you guys, and really thankful for the spirit and the work that he's doing amongst you. Uh, Sometimes when you're a part of something, you you miss the specialness of it because it's just mundane to you. But what God is doing in restoration is worthy of his praise. There's a good work being taken that's being done here. And I'm so thankful to be connected with you guys. Um, I am now... A grandfather. Okay, that is not worthy of what I just said right there. Because you all didn't give enough attention to my new grandson. I am now a grandfather, y'all. I love my family. I've been married for 26 years and I got five children. And my oldest son did not waste any time like his father. Right after he got married, he got a baby mama right away, and, uh, and I love my daughter-in-law, but I'm telling you, I am killing it as a grandfather. I'm killing it, okay? I think I did okay as like a parent, but I am at next level grandparenting right now. Just so you know. And if you know anything about me, like when I walked up on stage, I could tell many of you were intimidated. I kind of have like a a thuggish thing going on, you know? And you're like, ooh, that's a big grizzly dude, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I carry that. But with a baby, when a baby is in front of me, I completely change. Anybody else act that way? You put a baby in front of me, and I'm like, I change my voice. I am you know, and I put my, I kiss him, and I'm, I'm hugging him, and I try to make him laugh, and he cracks up at me. He thinks I'm the funniest person on the planet, and uh, and, and I just love, I love my grandbaby. I love seeing new life come into the world. And when you experience something like that, because just so you know, you can imagine what it will be like, but you will not understand it until you experience it. And when you experience something like that, something profound takes place. When you have a child or you experience a a, a grandbaby, something takes place. You fall in love with somebody who's literally done nothing for you. You fall in love with somebody, matter of fact, that can't do something for you except give you more responsibility. And that love that comes from you is something that the world cannot manufacture. And the way in which you change and, 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 and talk and smile and hug and cuddle and pour out affection upon should remind you of the image of God's love for you. The problem is most of us in this room Do not have a picture of a father who adores you. When you think of God, you actually think of him not changing his face and adoring you and cuddling with you and huggling you, smiling over you. The way you think of God is a frown and you better do something. You better be a good little boy and girl if you want to earn and make your father proud. And many of you are trying to change the image that's already been ingrained in your head of God. That he just wants you to be a good little boy and girl so that you can make him proud. And it is difficult for us to see a father who you have done nothing for. And you're loved. And his voice changes when he sees you. And he adores you. And he sings over you. And he smiles at you. Matter of fact, you already are fully His child, and you could not be more loved if you did anything to prove it. You already are. You're already beloved. And the only way you can believe that is true is if you stop trying to understand it and you receive it as a revelation of the gospel message that changes the picture in your head that goes way beyond your origin story and who your earthly father and mother was. It goes way beyond the broken images that already are burnt into you. It goes far more glorious than the religious pictures that have shaped our understanding of God. It, it moves into something that is hard for us to believe. Matter of fact, it's too good. We'd rather just call it news than good news. <laughs> this gospel is so glorious and so good and so true and I am concerned for the western church in which I am a part of because most of the people that I run into that have grown up in the church don't have that revelation of a loving adoring smiling father Can I tell you that this causes us to live a smaller life than God has intended for us to live. It causes us to live a shrunk life believing that all God wants from you is just to be good law-abiding, good people. As long as I live up to the the law and the systems and the structures, and as long as I'm a good God will love me. But it doesn't break you into the largeness of all that God has called you into. So what I want to do today is kind of introduce you to a text that has transformed my thinking, and I'm going to give you a, uh, a different translation than you may be used to, so we're gonna have it up here on the screen. The message, which was translated by Eugene Peterson, whom I, I love and has impacted my life in, in many ways, uh, but you can follow along in whatever translation you have. There's, there's good translations. I just wanna use this one today because of some of the wording that he uses that I think helps us understand what the heart of this text is and so turn to Matthew chapter 19 verses 1 through 12 and I'm going to read we'll have it on the screen through the the message translation when Jesus had completed these teachings he left Galilee and crossed the region of Judea on the side of the Jordan Great crowds followed him there and he healed them. I want to just highlight two things and not get stuck. Here's the thing about a preacher I'm a preacher, so I can preach anything, which means my sermons can go way too long, okay? So I'm not going to preach this, but I just want you to notice this. Notice this word, these teachings, and then at the end, he healed them. Whenever you see Jesus' life and teachings matching each other, that is significant. Because God in Christ was not just a good teacher. He was word and deed. His messages and his healing matched what he was trying to do. When Christ is preaching a te- a message or teaching the gospel, he also displays it. In the way he heals those who are following, God's message is a healing message. Therefore, he heals. These teachings, what are these teachings? Well, you'd have to go back to chapter 18 to hear what he had just taught. That's called context to what he's saying. These teachings. So I, I won't make you go back and read. Once again, I will get stuck preaching if I do. But there was three things he talks about. Humbling yourself as a child, repenting when you offend those who are weak, and forgiving when you have been sinned against. Those three things are core to Jesus' teachings. Can you say amen to that? He always calls us into humility to become like or as a child to enter into this family. He calls us to repent when we have sinned against someone and he calls us to forgive when we have been sinned against. And can I say those teachings are controversial? (laughs) Humble yourself is controversial. Forgive is controversial and repent when you've done wrong is controversial. It shouldn't sound controversial, but it is. And the people it sounds controversial to are mentioned in verse three. One day, a Pharisee was badgering him is it legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Notice this. The Pharisee, whenever he is mentioned or this group of people is mentioned, the Pharisee is not in a good relationship with Jesus. So notice what Eugene Peterson translates. He badgered Jesus. Some translation says he asked him. Why, I like the thing badgering better than asking is because sometimes we think questions and all questions are good questions. And can I just help you with something? Some questions have bad motives. They're trying to trap Jesus, badger Jesus. Some questions are, I really want to understand. Some questions are, I want to take you down. So the Pharisee is badgering him. Notice this, you have to get the context to understand how Jesus answers this question. He's not trying to understand God's heart. This Pharisee is trying to show he's smarter than Jesus. Here's what he asks. Is it legal for a man to leave his wife for any reason. Now I love this because he is a law teacher and here's what law teachers will always do. They will always try to find the legal reasons and loopholes in which to get out of God's design. It notices when someone teaches God's design of repentance and forgiveness and becoming and humbling themselves as a child. They, there will be things like this. Well, what if um, what if they do it a lot? Like, what if they hurt me a lot? Like a lot, a lot. <laughs> or what if what if like you know the marriage isn't going too good and we've kind of you know we're just not the same place we were. You know what 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 is it? What if, it's always what ifs. I'm asking for a friend, not for me. (laughs) And it really leans into the practical. Here's what law teachers really want to know. Practically, how does this work? Because they will disprove the gospel, proving it that it's not practical. It doesn't hit real broken lives. Jesus answers him, and I love how he answers him, and I'm just going to be candid up front. Sarcasm is my love language. (laughs) And here I just think Jesus is being sarcastic, which goes, Aaron, you can be sarcastic too. (laughs) Maybe I'm justifying myself. I'm not sure. Let's go to verse four. And he answered and said, Haven't you read your Bible? I love it because these are the Bible people. (laughs) And these were the ones who are like, Yeah, we are the Bible people. And Jesus goes, Haven't you read your Bible? I love how Bible people are the most argumentative, badgering people. But they also don't even know the Bible. Jesus says, Haven't you read your Bible? And he goes back to the creator and says this, The creator originally made men and women for each other, male and female, and because of this, a man leaves his father and mother and firmly bonds with his wife, becoming one flesh, no longer two, but one. Because God created this organic union of two sexes, no one should desecrate the art by cutting it apart. I love Eugene's uh, translation of it, but a lot of your texts will say, uh, what God has put together, let no man separate. I love that also. But the reason why I want to set this before you is because while the man is asking, what are the law reasons in which I can divorce, Jesus goes way past the law, and goes to original design. Here is what I created. Here is what I made. Here is my heart. And he begins to show something far more beautiful. And that is two things becoming one thing. Now, this is where uh, logic will fail you. Because two things becoming one thing is a God thing. Yeah. Even God himself reveals himself as a Trinitarian God of the Bible, which is distinct. Father, Son, Spirit. They are all distinct. They are equal, and they are one. So how can three be one? I'm gonna tell you. Theology struggles to even articulate how three can become one. (laughs) Matter of fact, in our theological articulation, we call it a mystery. And this is where he says, the God of this kind of mystery, where distinct things become one things, only can create two man and woman who cannot become one because of any other reason but the god who is distinct and one created two distinct parts to become one how does that happen it's a mystery <laughs> anybody married in this room can you say amen to that Y'all are leaving me hanging. The husbands are like, no, honey, never. I get it, I get it. Can any married couple say amen to that? Amen. If you experience that kind of union, it is not because you like the same music. It is because the God of Scripture has taken your union and put something together that reflects him. Here's the thing about marriage. Marriage is a mystery and it's profound. I'm not making these words up. That's Ephesians chapter five, if you read your Bibles. And it's actually not about marriage. It's about Christ and the... Okay, you read your Bibles, thank God. (laughs) You, brothers and sisters, if you are married, it's not about you. It's about reflecting the union of the God who put you, two, as one. So your marriage is bigger than your marriage. And here is what Jesus is saying to them because here is what law teachers do. They take the law, which is designed to protect the weak and turn it into a benefit for the strong. They take the law which is designed to protect women being abandoned by abusive husbands and adulterous spouses and they turn it into a benefit for themselves. I can leave them for any reason I want. And this is where I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, no one should desecrate his art, his art, by cutting it apart. This is why I like this line, is because this kind of mystery revealed is art, not science. here's, Here's what you need to understand about science. Science Kills the whole thing to understand a part of a thing. If I want to be a scientist, I kill a frog, cut out its parts, study their parts to understand a frog. If you're married, please, please don't go to your girlfriend or your your wife and go, baby, I want to know you. I'm going to cut your liver out and study you. You're like, can I just tell you my story? (laughs) (laughs) You realize science cuts things apart and kills the beauty of the whole to try to understand its parts. Anything that tries to separate one thing and make it just a distinct thing, if theology... Cuts apart the glorious union of you in Christ and Christ in you and just teaches one half? It's not big enough. If someone's only telling you you're in Christ, that's good news for sure, but it's not the whole good news. Christ is in you too. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places and Christ by his spirit is living and moving in the world through us. We are united with God in Christ. What God has put together, let no man separate. Don't cut apart the art. Don't desecrate what God has put together by trying to dissect it. He goes back to creation and then, look at verse 7, they shot back a rebuttal. Anybody who knows people who like to argue, they already are not listening to what you say anyways. They're waiting with the rebuttal in mind to come back at you. The Pharisees going, are you finished yet? Okay, let me give you, let me give you this one. This is going to drop the mic. Rebuttal. If that's so, why did Moses give instructions for divorce papers and divorce procedures? Got him. <laughs> he already had the fight. I got him. He goes back to the law because. He goes, you know, Moses, your guy, (laughs) he gave us this law. And if you told him to give us this law, look at what Moses said. Are you gonna, are you gonna go against Moses? Jesus said, Moses provided divorce as a concession to the hardness of your heart. But it's not part of my original plan. You may not want to read this next line. It's provocative. I'm holding you to the original plan. I'm holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. I make you an exception. I make an exception to the case if a spouse has committed adultery. Look at what Jesus is saying. The law was given to protect the, against the hardness of evil people's hearts, but it does not reveal my original plan. Here's my concern. you are more worried about living up to the concessions of the hardness of people's hearts than you are living into the fullness of what God has designed for you. I believe many Western Christians are more worried about fulfilling God's laws than they are fulfilling his purposes and plans. And can I tell you this? The law is too small for us. It's too small. It's way too small. It shrinks down everything that God originally designed and makes it small enough to pro- against the hardness of evil people's hearts. Let me put it this way. I love my children. The worst thing that they could do to me as a father was see me as a policeman who was just trying to keep them in line. I would tell my kids all the time, like, if I'd catch them doing something, and they they did stuff. I would tell them first how much I love them and how much this is way too small for them. And that the worst thing I could do is just try to have you live below the line. When what I, dream for your life and what I see inside of you is way bigger, which led me to go, if I'm going to engage in my children's life, I should probably do it way more than just when I'm disciplining them. I should probably spend an inordinate more amount of time sitting with them and helping them discover all the things that God's put in them. And so I would spend hours every week taking them to coffee shops and sitting with them and saying, what is it that that God's put in you? What are you dreaming of? What are the things that God's planted in your heart? Because if I need to discipline them in a a negative way against the things that are, are, are hurting them, I also need to disciple them into the largeness of who they are. Brothers and sisters, we have made our parenting too small if we're trying to just raise good little kids. We have made our marriages too small if we're trying to just have a good life with each other. Your marriage is way bigger. Your parenting is way bigger. Your life in Christ is so much larger. And what we need to know about our father is he's not just trying to get us to live under concessions when he has so much more for us. So much more. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says it this way. Jesus' disciples objected. Now, notice this. Who's the ones objecting this time? Not the Pharisees. It's the disciples. But notice Jesus' interaction with them is very different. This is what his disciples say. If those are the terms of marriage, we haven't got a chance. Why should we even get married? (laughs) ha! Here is what God's people do. They don't badger Jesus. They just go, That's impossible. <laughs> nope. <laughs> God, that's way too big. I cannot do that. And believe me, go back in scripture and read how many times when God calls people into something, they go, I can't. I stutter. I'm weak. I'm a woman. I'm of this tribe. I don't have enough money. God's people, like these disciples, are very much like us. When we start hearing a message too big, we just go, if that's true, I can't do it. I love Jesus' answer. And I'm going to run through this because I'm already out of time. (laughs) but Jesus said not everyone is mature enough to live into a married life. Can we get an amen on that? (laughs) It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some birth seemingly never giving marriage a thought. Others never are asked or even accept. Some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. Now look at this line. And if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, then you should do it. Here's what I want to do to end our time together. I want you to hear Jesus's answer to them. We tend to, in the West, make marriage a really big deal. Everybody should get married. And Jesus responds in a very different way. He says, marriage isn't for everybody. And he says it in another way. Some people don't get asked, some people don't accept, some people don't even think about it, and some people don't do it for kingdom reasons. And here's the reason why. Marriage is not about marriage. It's about the kingdom. It's about Christ in the church. And it needs to be in its proper place so that it does not become a God and it just is a gift. It's a gift from God, but it is not God. It's a reflection of the God who gave that gift. And so when two things become one thing, it's a God thing. And here is what I want to do. I want to take marriage off the table just for this illustration because many of us in this room will just say, oh, he's only talking about marriage and I want to hear his answer and go, he's actually talking about far more than marriage. He's talking about God's original design and his original intent for us and it's important for us to hear this many of us walk around talking about how the christian life is hard it's hard it's hard to forgive it's it's hard to follow christ it's it's hard to stay away from these things it's hard to do this it's hard and i would say it's more than hard it's impossible You're undercutting it. <laughs> it is impossible for you in your flesh to live the Christian life. It is hard for you in your shrunken view of God to fit him into your law grid. It is Impossible for us to understand two things becoming one thing. It is really complicated for you to really. Happen to this mystery. this is why I told you earlier, if you could grab a hold of this union, you are in Christ, and Christ in within is in you, you should not get proud about that. You should not boast about how smart you are. You should be blown away that God opened your blinded eyes to see the glorious mystery of the gospel that you are in union with him and nothing can separate you from him. You already are and two things are true at the same time. You already are loved and you're growing into the largeness of love. Put that up on the screen. It says, if you are capable of growing into the largeness, then you should do it. Here's what I tell people. If you want to live into the largeness of the gospel, stop trying to understand it and become the expert in it and just accept it and grow into the largeness of it. This is what Ephesians says. We are, have a fully mature head, which is Christ, and our body is growing into the largeness of our fully developed head. If you think of anything like a baby wobbling around with a gigantic head, trying to grow into, that's what the church looks like. Christ is our head, he is fully mature and the body is growing into it's perfected so here's what you need to know because of Christ you fully are and you fully are growing into and both of those things are true at the same time you already are loved and you couldn't be more loved and you're growing into the largeness of it. You already are righteous, and you can't become more righteous, and you're growing into the fullness of the righteousness that is in God in Christ Jesus. It's so big that the only way to experience the gospel is dive into it and drown. It's in ocean. And some people want to stand on the shore and try to get it. And others go, I just got to experience it. It's so big. What God has for you, my brothers and sisters, I wish you knew what was in you just want to squeeze your faces <laughs> and change my voice. You. You're loved. He has a glorious plan for you. You are way more than you give him credit for. And not only is he going to birth you into it, he's not a deadbeat father. He's going to raise you and mature you into it. Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this family that is now my family. And I pray that you would do in them what only you could do. That you would show them the beauty of the gospel and the love of Christ and the union they have with you and abiding in you and you abiding in them and that you would show them the tree that is in the seed. that they would grow into this family, this community that's filled with love and forgiveness and repentance. That this would be a place where people would experience the fullness of who you are. They'd get a glimpse of what it means to be a part of your family. And they'd have time to mature and grow as you, their father, raised them. We, your people, know it's impossible. But with you, all things are possible. So Lord, fill us with the revelation of your spirit and give us the life and breath we live to live into this abundance of life. We ask these things in Jesus name and everybody said,
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to our teaching of the week. We are so grateful to partner with you in sharing the love of Jesus in a world that really deeply longs for it. And whether you're new here, seeking more information, looking for a church community, or considering financial partnership, go ahead and visit restorationaz.org for more details. Okay, let's continue making a difference together. So how do we do that? By remembering... Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.